Thanks for downloading this podcast from RNIB Connect Radio. Suleiman Barr was diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa at the age of eight. A keen athlete, he now has his sights set firmly on participating in the 2020 Paralympics in Tokyo. Suleiman has also recently taken part in a BBC Three documentary called Things Not To Say, and he joins me now. Suleiman, thank you so much for joining us here in RNIB Connect Radio today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me. It is a pleasure to be here. Now, you are an incredible young man, I have to say. I've been reading up all about you and we've got so much to talk about today. I don't know where to start, but uh, I think where we have to start really is the fact that um, you are visually impaired yourself. You have a condition called retinitis pigmentosa. When was this diagnosed? So uh, it was originally diagnosed when I moved to England at the age of eight, I believe it was. Um, it was quite a funny story, actually. When I was younger, I used to live in Africa, in Guinea, West Africa. And um, we went to the hospital. You know, my parents said, we think there's something wrong with his vision. We're not quite sure what it is. Uh, could you tell us? And so the doctors did a couple of tests. And they were like, you know, OK, so we've looked at his eyes. And we've come to the conclusion that they don't function properly. <laughs> OK. <laughs> That was the story. And my parents were like, well, could you tell us anything else? They were like, no, not really. (laughs) So then, you know, I moved to England and I got proper diagnosis and they, you know, they said, you've got RP. And then from there, we could say, okay, how's that going to affect me? What adaptations do we need to make? How do I need to be helped at school? So originally it was a tough battle, but after I got the diagnosis, everything was, everything was good. Well, the thing is, I mean, you don't know what you're dealing with until you do get a diagnosis. I mean, for a while when I was losing my sight, I actually thought that I just needed glasses. And it was when black dots appeared that I thought, right, something is wrong here. And then two weeks later, I was pretty much blind. So, um, you know, it it is one of those things that until you know what you're dealing with, uh, you don't really know what to do about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's that's what I you know had trouble with as well because I didn't know what my eye condition was. I didn't know whether I was going to go blind, if it's going to get worse, or is it staying the same. So it was I was on the fence really, and um, you know school weren't too sure how to help me. But again, when I came over here and when I got my diagnosis and everything started to fit together, you know I started having regular uh, hospital appointments, seeing how it's how it's uh, changing. And so it makes you feel comfortable that, you know, someone knows about it and are able to guide you. So with my condition, one of my eyes, which is my right one, I can't see properly. I can't see at all, actually. Um, And with my left one is the dominant one. But even with that one, I can only see through a narrow field of vision in the middle. So things in the periphery, I can I can make out shapes and I can make out people, but there is no detail at all. The detail is only in the centre. Now, Suleiman, from listening to you, you sound like such a confident young man. Uh, you're only 17. Yeah, I am. I am nearly 18 in January. I am. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a lot of people would say that dealing with that kind of thing at such a young age, you know, would be really, really tough. But you seem to be coping remarkably well. Yeah, I mean, um, it's one of those things, you know, uh, dealing with a visual impairment is quite tough. You know, there are things in life you can't do. Uh, You get excluded from certain activities in school. And, you know, the hardships come early and you have to learn to deal with that and you have to learn to mature a lot quicker than your peers might do. So that maturity for me came early. And I, I think in a sense, it's quite good because it allows me to I guess, fit into life a bit better, you know, and, and things that may seem hard, 
are in, in comparison to what I have, you know, my vision impairment don't seem so hard. So um, in, a, in a way, it's a benefit. Now, I know that you have been incredibly successful in sport. Uh, in fact, in 2015, you won gold at the Paralympic School Games. Tell us about that. That must have been an incredible feeling. Yeah, absolutely. That was an amazing experience. Um, and that's another thing as well. You know, with my disability, I was able to, I was able to, you know, talk to British Paralympics, you know, because... Ever since a young age, I was very fast on the track, you know, beating most of the sighted people in my school, coming first in sports day. So I was naturally gifted. Um, and the Paralympics was an avenue for me to to pursue that. And, um, you know, they reached out to me and they said, you know, there's a competition coming up. Uh, we think you're, you're, you know, you're a good candidate for it. Let's, you know, it's in Brazil. And I was so excited for it. I wasn't really expecting, you know, much to come out of it. I said, you know, let's go and have a have a try at this, do my best went over to Brazil, did the competitions, and I won the race, uh, won the gold medal, and that was just such an ecstatic uh, feeling and experience. And I think from there is when I kind of realized that I can use this athletics as an avenue, as an opportunity to inspire other visually impaired people. Um, you know, beforehand where I saw my disability as a negative thing, something that got in the way, uh, something that prevented me from doing something, finally, uh, this is proof that I can use it as a positive avenue uh, not just for me but for other people as well and i believe your qualifying time was 11.8 seconds i mean that is just incredible it really is you need 11.5 though don't you to qualify for the actual paralympics the the kind of older version of the paralympics so um are you hoping to to be at the next one Yes, absolutely. That is my next goal. Uh, the next one is in Tokyo in 2020. So, you know, it's it's about training hard. It's about being dedicated. It's about following the rules, eating right, doing everything I need to do to get there. Do you know something, Suleiman? This is where I wish I had stuck in at sports at school, honestly. I mean, I loved playing tennis and, you know, doing a, a lot of very visual sports that, to be honest, I haven't bothered with since losing my sight. And that's my fault completely. But, you know, when you look at all these young British athletes going out, Paralympics, you know, it's just incredible. And I really wish I had stuck in at sports. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially for a visually impaired person and blind person yourself. You tend to see sports as something you can't you can't do, but the Paralympics is such an inspiration because you see that you know you can do this and you can do it at such a high level. You know, I was watching the Paralympics in the summer, like people with one leg doing a high jump, people with no arms or legs swimming. It's like this is crazy, and it's not just about the sport and the competitive nature of it. It's about it's sort of like a massive metaphor for life. It's saying that we have barriers and we have hurdles and we have struggles but we can do things just like everybody else. So it's such an inspiration. And I think it would have been awesome if you did tennis as well. I could have, I could have, I could have been with you at the Paralympics. Oh, do you know something? Well, I'm a little bit older than you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think I would, I don't think I'd even uh, qualify uh, age-wise at the moment, but uh, I have kind of promised a few people that I may take up blind tennis. So you never, ever know. We could be meeting up in Tokyo, uh, if not before. But uh, listen, you've just taken part in a BBC Three documentary called things not to say how did you get involved so i actually got a an email from rnib saying <clears throat> there's this opportunity coming up the bbc3 have been doing this series called things not to say to x y and z you know autism and other disabilities and they've gone down quite successfully and we were thinking of doing one for blind people and we were wondering if you wanted to take part 
to which I quickly replied, yes, I'd love to do it. There's a lot I want to say. And I think um, there is a lot of misconceptions about vision impairment and blindness in, in, this, in society. And the questions they had were just so relatable. So that is, a how, that is how I got involved, really. Um, the RNIB reached out to me and that's how it started. No, I have to say, I, as a completely blind person, I'm asked questions all the time that don't actually make me angry, Suleiman. You know, personally, I think as as blind people, we're all ambassadors uh, for our disability and uh, we've got to be careful about how we treat the public. And although sometimes, you know, uh, the general public can get it a bit wrong, I think it is up to us to a certain extent to be able to put them right in a kind way so it doesn't put them off asking other blind people or other disabled people if they need help. But some of the questions that I get asked are, you know, does my husband put on my makeup for me or does my husband dress me in the morning how do I I pick my clothes Uh, like they magically just jump out the wardrobe at me so you know there are some really funny questions and and they don't particularly frustrate me I have to say I I think I've only ever been insulted maybe once or twice uh, with questions that that are non-repeatable on air but what are the kind of questions that you get asked so mine vary quite a lot actually it's like because my disability is quote-unquote an invisible disability it's quite hard to believe at the start if I don't have my cane so I tell people you know I'm visually impaired I can't see properly Uh, and they say no you're not you don't even look disabled you don't even look blind you know that's like how do you even look blind you know and then they say things like okay then how many fingers am I holding uh which is one that always comes up um if I have my cane they say you know what does your cane do does it talk to you you know does it is it is it wired to your brain and it's, it it helps you see um just crazy things you know like they and also they if they see a guide dog or something they'll say can a guide dog talk uh does it know where it's going has it got superpowers um another one as well like my dreams do i do i do i dream in sound so there's just all these questions that they ask. And I think they have a right to ask because there, there isn't that much information out there for the general public about visual impairment and blindness. You know, they've just got, you know, movies and misconceptions to go through. And something like this is an amazing opportunity to finally hear from us, you know, f- from the people that actually have the disability, to hear the misconceptions and the ridiculous questions people ask us to, and to finally put them at rest. It is very funny. I mean, I don't know if you get this one, but I quite often get people asking me if I want to feel their face and uh, you know it's such a Hollywood kind of misconception that we can tell what somebody looks like and uh, I don't know about you but all I can tell is if they've got a beard uh, or a big nose and that's just the women really yeah wow I've, I've never had that person <laughs> no I do I get asked quite a lot if uh, if uh, I want to feel people's faces so um, you know it's something that I would never have thought uh, even as a sighted person to ask a blind person do you want to feel my face I, I just I wouldn't want them to ruin my makeup to be honest no absolutely and they've probably got germs on their hands as well <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So uh, what else are you up to at the moment? You're obviously, you're still at school and uh, you're training hard. How are you finding school at the moment? How are you finding fitting in all this training uh, with your schoolwork? Um, I'm not going to lie, it's very difficult because, you know, ever since my success in Brazil last year, my training has gone up. So that's extra days, extra hours, putting in more effort into the athletics. Plus I'm doing my A-levels, which are generally hard anyway, 
Um, I'm doing four, four, four A-levels, philosophy, politics, maths, and uh, PE. Uh, very hard. I have a lot of coursework, a lot of essays to hand in. Um, and also another initiative I'm starting, which is promoting the physical, mental, social, and emotional benefits of sports to young people in schools, which is where I go into schools and, you know, give talks and things like that. So I have a lot to juggle with. And obviously, on top of that, I have my visual impairment. So reading things, very difficult, uh, emails, schoolwork, you know, everyday tasks takes me twice as long to do. So the amount of effort I have to put into doing all these things is very hefty. So <laughs> I, have a, I, ha I have a very busy schedule. Well, yes, you certainly do have a lot on, but you're so incredibly inspirational, Suleiman, you really are. And it's such a pleasure to talk to you today. And no doubt we shall be hearing all about you in 2020 at the Tokyo Olympics. I can hardly wait. But uh, thank you so much for joining us here on RNIB Connect Radio today. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a wonderful pleasure. I've enjoyed talking to you. And you know, let's, get a, let's, let's get the message out there. Let's, let's get people hearing about blind and visual impairment. For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts.